to the Blue Roads Changemaker Podcast. I'm Patty Talbot, CEO and co-founder of Blue Roads Education Group. In this series, you'll hear reflections about what it means to be a homegrown changemaker. We focus interviews around the Blue Roads mantra, homegrown solutions for a patchwork world. Our guests are amazing changemakers, solutionaries, and social innovators who've taken the path from local citizen to global changemaker and or from global citizen to local changemaker by working to change the system that creates the world's most challenging issues close to home and around the globe. I ask participants to tell us about their origins, how they've engaged with others different from themselves, how they work to create solutions, and how they've used these experiences to make the leap to changemakers addressing the UN Sustainable Development Goals. As their host, I try hard to take myself out of the conversation as much as possible so you won't notice the typical back and forth of the interview process. I hope this will help you to hear their stories as a complete narrative that addresses all four quadrants of the Blue Roads Changemaker Journey, Homegrown Solutions for a Patchwork World. Welcome, everyone. I am extra inspired today to have with me two rising seniors in high school who are doing amazing Changemaker work in the world. This is my very first double interview for the Changemaker series. These two, Colby Brown and Molly McPherson, have agreed to let me experiment with what it's like to interview two people at once. So welcome, Colby and Molly. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you. So, thank you. So glad you're here. I want to tell our audience just a little bit about how I came to have this interview with you two amazing young folks today. In our community in Montgomery County, Virginia, which is down in the southwestern portion of Virginia, we have, like the rest of the world, been going through some, some struggles lately with how do we work for racial justice. So our community has been has been working on this. And I became aware um, a couple of weeks ago that these two uh, rising seniors got together to create a a rally before the Montgomery County School Board meeting. And I'm not going to tell you more than that right now because they're going to tell you their own story. But I was really excited to hear how Colby and Molly met and the work that they did to create a march in pretty short time because of an issue that they both saw as problematic in our local schools. So I'm going to start with Colby. Where were you grown and how does that have an influence on who you are today and how you show up in the world? So the floor is yours. Awesome. Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me and Molly. I'm very excited to share my story. So I am the middle child. I have three brothers. And we're, we're spread out across 20 years. And so far, we've all gone through Christiansburg schools and Montgomery County. And we've, we've all had unique experiences. I've always been part of an athletic family. We're a very social family. Um, we're very involved in the community. But I was a little different because I am more of an introvert. And I don't like to address people or address problems. And I, my, my confidence has grown. And in this new grown confidence, I have been able to advocate for myself and for others in a much better way and in a way that can create change. Starting this past year, I've really become more involved in leadership 
and advocating for other students. And it just so happened that at the end of the school year, this whole topic of conversation when it comes to racial problems we're facing in this county just kind of reemerged. We're fighting because we have we have to make change and we have to move forward, not just for ourselves, but for future generations of students that are coming through this school system. So um, I'm excited for where we're at and I'm excited to, uh, to see where we can go. Molly, I'll take the question to you. Uh, where were you grown? Who are your people? And how does that make a difference to how you're showing up in the world today? I am also a rising senior, but I go to BHS. And growing up, my dad was always a teacher at Tech. So he taught in the engineering and computer science departments. So he was a teacher. And then they were both teachers before I was born. And then when I was in fifth grade, my mom went back to teaching. So I've always had teachers in the family. And so school and topics like education have kind of always been prevalent around us. This past year in the second quarter and third quarter, me and my friends, we were realizing issues within our own school. And we were like, I think we can do something about this and we can fix these. So we started working for that. And me, I was advocating for the teachers because they're kind of, they've been a little scared to kind of speak out for themselves based on what happened in the past um, at Blacksburg. So we were kind of being, using our voices to help them because there we saw so many problems we wanted to fix those then coming up when we started doing online school it kind of everything came to a halt because we no longer had the time to meet together and get together and try to form these things then when the, all the race stuff came back up and Colby reached out to me I was like I'm definitely definitely going to help you out on this there something needs to change and I feel like using our voices and especially because we've grown up here our parents have been in the county our siblings have been in the county. We have the roots in the county and we want to change that for kids to come. What are the issues that you have cared about in your life and what are the kinds of things that are important to you that you think need, need new and creative solutions? So, well, currently, as you said, like it's the, it's the racial injustices within our school systems. But in the past, like I said, like education's always been kind of where I use my voice to advocate. So I think just fighting to make sure that teachers get either the resources that they need, the time that they need, just kind of a lot of things we've seen like administration, kind of like micromanaging teachers and so stuff like that, just kind of advocating for them to make sure that they can do their jobs and are paid well for it. And then also making sure that students have equal opportunities to learn to grow to use their voices one of the things we we're focusing on is cool we can talk about this a little bit more later about how we kind of got to the start of the protest but I guess for lack of a better word he was kind of blown off by Dr. Meyer and that's kind of been a common theme where people in positions of power have been blowing off students and especially students of color and when they bring up issues or anything they get kind of pushed to the side and when I look at it I'm like what is that say to the students about what you care about. If you don't listen to them, how are they going to feel when you make a decision? Making sure that teachers and parents and students have all equal access to the materials and stuff like that is just so important. Colby, I'm gonna put that same question to you. What are the issues that you care about and that need new and creative solutions from young people like yourself? 
I, I totally and completely agree with everything that Molly just said. So first and foremost, I think that every student deals with their own problems. It doesn't matter what the problem, it, it could be social issues, it could be issues at home, it could be mental health issues. And I feel like we should all be advocates for each other, or at least be willing to be, and to acknowledge those problems. For me, and being a student in Southwest Virginia, I've always experienced and witnessed problems with race in our, in our schools. Growing up, I really wasn't cognizant of it. I kind of knew what it was. I kind of knew it was there, but it really didn't hit me until I was in middle school and high school. And for me, I feel that I have to work twice as hard just to get some of the attention from my teachers that I need. Not just attention on me, but attention to my ambitions and what I want to achieve and where I want to go. Typically, that's what I'm fighting for. And that's what I'm fighting for for students in the system right now and students who are going to be in the system. As students, we should use our voice. And as students, we can use our voice because our voice, our voices are powerful. And after contacting school board office members and um, administration at my school, I've been, I've been able to see what we've been able to do. But I've also been able to see that there's so much more that we can do. And there's so much more support and attention that we need to get to the places we want to go. So as Molly said, I contacted Dr. Meyer originally about a, a statement on solidarity. This was about two weeks after the George Ford killing. And he basically told me that he was gathering his thoughts. He sent me this whole document about all of the good things that have happened for African-American students in the county. And again, that he was gathering his thoughts. And the protest happened one week after that, which was three weeks after the George Floyd killing. And that's when the statement of solidarity came out. And for me, that's way too long for a county, for an education system to simply show support for a group of students who need it. That's where some of my frustration has come from. We need as much help as possible, and especially from people who can really create change. So I think we have the attention, but we, we still have to keep pushing. From different high schools and different backgrounds, found each other to move together in this effort. Support is support, and you need it to create change. You can't do it by yourself. And as much as I would love to just solve every problem right now, right here, um, I, I wouldn't be able to do that without support from community leaders and student leaders from across the county. And um, so before, before this whole thing started, I didn't really think I'd had that, that much support. And then I contacted uh, Molly McPherson. I was like, whoa, this is a student from a different school that has a different background. And she is willing to stand here and fight and stand in solidarity with me. And that kind of made me realize that this can actually happen. This is, this is a fight that does not have to be fought for much longer. So yes, it is important to, to get the attention of others who don't have the same background, the same knowledge, the same experience as you. Because if you get someone with the same experience or knowledge as you, what, what are they bringing to the table? What, what different information and knowledge are they able to, to, to put to this, to this movement of change? Like if Molly and I believed and had the same experience and we believed everything in the same way and saw everything through the same view, there would be no way for us to actually make change because we already believe the same things. But we we have discussion and we have we have conversation 
so that we can come together and create a solution that can positive, positively affect everybody, not just a particular group. Because yes, racial discrimination and all that is kind of harmful to one group, but it affects everybody. It affects every single person. So yes, it is important to gain the support and the attention of everybody. And it seems that we're able to do that right now. Molly, the same question to you. Uh, how and why is it important to engage across the patchwork of diversity? Okay, well, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to follow that up. That was really good, Colby. <laughs> um, but I think something that I guess like, kind of stands out to me is a lot of kind of adults in the situation who have the power to make change, they're like, they say that they need to hear the stories of our black students and they need to hear the bad experiences and stuff like that. And while I do think it's important, I don't think you need to hear their pain to realize the issue. I feel like saying that can be causing more harm to those students. I wish it didn't require them to relive their trauma in order for people to understand what's going on. Is so important in a situation like this is the adults and the parents and the community members because in the end they're the ones whose voices matter the most and I hate that it's that way it should not be that way students should be probably the most powerful voice but the adults are the ones who vote for the school board members they're the ones who put them in their positions of power and I think high schoolers should be able to vote but that's a conversation for another day but getting the adults and the community members of all backgrounds from different areas to come together and join forces with the students, I like we would be unstoppable. If we get the community members and the adults and those who can vote to work with the students who can't and to come to like a cohesive decision on any matter, I think we would get changed that way. Colby, I wonder, would you like to speak to Molly's comment about reliving trauma through the stories? Do you have thoughts about that you'd like to share? To be completely honest, I really haven't even thought about that point of view, but it's it's totally correct. And I agree with everything she just said. It's incredibly painful for anybody to to recount the traumas that they've lived. Of course, you run the risk of bringing that trauma back to their lives. I have definitely dealt with racial problems and I am comfortable with retelling them and bringing them back up but there's not, there's students that aren't comfortable with that. And who are we to make them recount them? And who are we to make, to tell them that they need to say it or describe it again? And who are we to say that if you don't recount it, you're not gonna get justice or you, the problem's not gonna be changed. So I agree with Molly. Telling your experience is an incredible way to create change and Letting your story be told is an incredible way to bring about change. But man, oh man, is it painful. Is it painful, especially for children, for students. And that's where parents and teachers come in because they have experience. Like this is not something new. For this, for, for me, a lot of this is new and a lot of it's not. But like experiences and telling my story, that's new. Like advocating for other people, that's new. There's a lot of different angles you can go at it from, but supporting supporting students obviously is the most important thing nothing should be forced ever should be forced support is the number one thing and i feel that if we get support from our teachers and our community um members and 
our administration. It will be more comforting for students. Yeah, that, that was just a perspective that I hadn't really thought about before, Molly. So I was glad you brought it up and yeah. speaking to it as well. This is where I think it would be wonderful if you could together in whatever way you'd like to kind of recount the story of how you got together and how you organized the protest and what resources you accessed and how it went what happened, what you made happen, and why, and how it all unfolded. So again, for me, this whole thing started when I reached out to Dr. Meyer for a statement of solidarity, and I kind of got, just kind of pushed aside. And then I contacted school board member uh, Penny Franklin, and she has been a strong advocate for students of color in this county for 20 years or so. So um, she gave me Molly's um, contact, and I contacted Molly and from there, we kind of just accelerated. We kind of, I guess it was two days before the, the actual protest, we organized it. So she got the flyer going and we, we kind of just pushed it through social media. It, it kind of blew up. It really did just, it blew up. First time we met was like 4.35, the day of the protest. Like the first time we'd ever seen each other. So that was actually really cool. And yeah. it just, it just worked. Yeah. It really so, did. Yeah. <laughs> So one of my teachers, Mr. Thompson, he was also at the protest, but he he does he does a lot of like Twitter stuff. So he's got a lot of friends on social media, and he somehow got connected with someone who was affiliated with uh, a protest that was basically along the same lines as ours in Flint, Michigan. So he got their numbers and gave them to us to text them and kind of see just like what are some things that maybe we didn't think about that we should work on. And they said to the biggest thing was just make sure we had our list of demands ready and make sure that it was formatted properly and stuff like that. And then another thing they said was just to contact the local police. And they were, and by the time I contacted them, they were already aware. So they already knew what was going on. But yeah, so we just kind of talked to them for a little bit just to get, because they were, I think they're also seniors or rising seniors. And so they're kind of in a similar boat as us. So we just talked to them to kind of get their side of things that we should probably be looking at. So how'd you make it happen? Um, I heard there was um, a couple hundred people it, there. <laughs> yeah, it was honestly, we just got it out and the community really pushed it around. I mean, we had a lot, it was shared a lot on, on social media. A lot of students shared it. A lot of students posted it and a lot of students showed up. It, it, they said there was like 200 or more people. I really wasn't expecting that number to be completely honest, but I think Neither. we were pleasantly surprised. We were pleasantly surprised at the turnout and, that really gave me hope to, it showed me that the community wants to see change. The community wants to see us move in the right direction. So that was, that was very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I made the flyer like really quickly. It was just a quick little thing. And then <laughs> I sent it to everyone I have on Snapchat. I put it on like all my stories everywhere, every social media I have. And then people just like reposted it, screenshotted it, shared it with their friends. Um, and I was surprised at, there were a lot of parents there with no students. There were, there were a lot of students there, but there were also parents there without their students. And yeah. I mean, like going along what I said yeah. earlier about how like the adults and the parents have like the most powerful voices. That was, that made me really happy to see that they were there and that they're here fighting for not only their, like not only their kids, but also their classmates and other stuff and all of those kids as well, just to kind of 
just to see them there and fighting as kind of, I mean, like, not necessarily a stakeholder, because, with, like, without their kid there, but just to see them there fighting as a community member alongside all these students was really cool, cool to see. So what were your demands? You said you had to have your demands lined up and in yeah. the format. What, what were you asking for? So one of the main points that um, we wanted to push was teacher bias training. And I didn't, I wasn't aware of this, but I guess that they had voted and approved it. So that's something that's going to be happening for this school year. Um, and it's mandatory. So like, I'm very excited to see how that changes the, the, the perspectives of teachers and how they view racial tensions in our county. And that's, that's, that was one of the main demands for me. Something that came up when I was in the spring, when I was like just going through other things that we were talking to some school board members about was the dress code. So our dress code actually in it states that they ban symbols of black power. Um, so in the past, like our black awareness club has tried to put like the black power fist on their t-shirts or something and they're not allowed to. And I had no idea until the spring that this was a thing. And instantly I was like, that doesn't sound right. Because in the same sentence, they, they, they ban um, Ku Klux Klan symbols, white supremacy symbols and stuff like that. And then they say black power. And to me, that makes them, makes it look like they're equivalenting, like making those two yeah. things seem equivalent. And I was like, okay, maybe like, they definitely don't know the history behind the two or behind yeah, all of that, things. And it was, no and it was equivalency. At, at all not at all <laughs> and they added that in 2016 after the confederate flag protests at chs so they added that in response to that and for some reason they added black power in there as well and i have no idea why but that is not okay that is like just in all ways not okay so that was one of the big things for me and another thing that like got a lot of claps and applause at, uh, at the rally was the anti-racist committees within the schools that have black students and black teachers and black parents on them to get those voices in the conversation is the most important part if you want to make any change going forward. And I feel like in the past, that's where counties, not, not even just our county, but just anywhere, that's what they get wrong. They don't include those voices. They're trying to make a change to the problems, but they're not including those being affected. So that was a big demand for us as well. So has anything happened since the, uh, the night of the protest? Has anything, any new developments at all that you'd like to share? Coming from the county, I don't, I haven't heard much from them. We've been in limited contact with Miss um, Penny Franklin, but from the other county officials, we really haven't heard anything. But from the community, we've heard a lot and we've gotten a lot of responses and we've gotten a lot of input and the, com the community's energized right now and we are really we're going to start pushing the school board office and the school board members to actually create change we ha we've gotten in contact with virginia organizing which is a nonprofit organization and we've also gotten in contact with christiansburg institute which was an all-black institute of learning for african americans from the end of the civil war to 1966 and we're trying to figure out how to educate people on some of the Black experience in this area. So we're getting people from all over this area with different backgrounds coming to us. And, and again, we're energized and we're, we're, we're starting to make some change. Mm -hmm.
Dude, I I wish like looking back at the rally, I had asked the students, how many of you know what the Christiansburg Institute is? How many of you have heard of it? I guarantee maybe 10%, 15, 20%, maybe had heard of it. It was an amazing institution. It was absolutely incredible. They had their own hospital, like they built their own hospital from the ground up. It was amazing. And I think in the past, what this community has missed out on is that education factor. They don't know their local history. And I think if we're able to start now and teach kids of all ages, and it, it shouldn't just be like high school or middle school, elementary school, it has to start in the young kids or they're going to grow up unaware, kind of ignorant, I guess, of their, their local history. Because in history class, we usually talk, like when we talk about things like slavery and stuff like that, they think, oh, it was like Norfolk, Williamsburg, Jamestown, whatever. They don't realize that slaves were sold in downtown Christiansburg. And I learned that yesterday. I had no idea. And so they don't realize how big of a deal it was until it's in their backyard. They don't realize what actually happened until it hits home. And I think that's what we missed in the past. And that kind of goes on the state for what they have been pushing in curriculum and teaching to the SOLs and stuff like that. And there's a whole lot of factors that go into getting rid of like standardized testing and the, the curriculum like that. But I think that is like that. I think it has made waves in that way. And it's not just our protest. Other people across the state are working as well and just getting changed within the curriculum. I think that's going to be one of the biggest things to better educate our students is to just focus on local histories as well as the bit like the big picture is important, but they don't realize how big the big picture is until they see the smaller picture of their local histories. So impressive to see uh, such shining examples of change maker attributes and action in the world. And I'd like to close by just asking you to reflect on how you hope to continue to show up as change makers in the world. What are your plans for next steps? Because everything, every step you take as a change maker has that capacity to ripple out and transform the world we're sharing. And so I just want to hear what your plans are. Well, for me, when this whole thing started, I was like, I had the mindset of, I just want to leave Christiansburg High School in Montgomery County better than I found it. I don't have <laughs> intentions of being here forever in Southwest Virginia. I, I kind of want to go places and see where I can go. But I do want to make it a better and safer environment for all students who will walk through these halls. So I'm fighting right now so that kids in the future will have a, an easier and a more acceptable educational experience. I mean, I think about like kids that I babysit and stuff like that who are in elementary school who are really, really young. And I'm thinking that I don't want them to go through these same experiences that my classmates have. I don't want them to have to get hurt in a place that should be safe for them. So looking, I guess looking to next steps, we're kind of, we want to do something relatively soon because I mean, August is right around the corner. And the, the next school board meeting isn't until July 21st. And that it's too long. It's too far away to, for anything to be done. And it's too close for, to, the, to the start of school for anything to be done this school year. And I think we want, like, we want change quickly, but we also want it to be a good change. We don't want them to just force something out and have it end up being more harmful 
than what they thought it was going to be. I think we definitely have like the resources and everything to get good change. We just have to get their ear and have them listen. I want to thank both of you for being change makers for racial justice in our community. That's what we need is people like you taking the lead and being a voice and encouraging other people to use their voices too. So I predict great things for both of you individually, but also the, the people that are fortunate to run across you. And I know you'll be encouraging other people to do the same. So thank you. Thank you. So very much for your time. In the spirit of fairness, Colby and Molly wholeheartedly agreed I should reach out to Superintendent Dr. Mark Meyer for a statement. Dr. Meyer expressed his own passion for racial justice and equity for all students in Montgomery County Public Schools and explained that in his role of leadership, he must work with the school board to release statements like the one Colby was seeking. He's glad that a statement of solidarity was approved at the school board meeting following the protest and will continue to work diligently on the issues raised at the protest and in this interview. You can see that Molly and Colby are working on global goals number four, quality education, and number 10, reduced inequalities, most directly. Attainment of both of these goals will have a direct impact on our ability to realize the other 15. Learn more at sdgs.un.org. Thank you, Colby and Molly, for the work you're doing to change your community and the world. Thanks for tuning in to the Blue Roads Changemaker podcast. We hope you'll follow our work and learn more about how you can get involved and start your own changemaker journey at www.blueroadseducation.org. We'd love it if you could subscribe to the Blue Roads Changemaker podcast and give us a rating on iTunes so that others can find us too. This also helps to elevate the voices of the amazing changemakers you're learning about in our series. Mm -hmm.